episode of Two Mike Minimum. Very interesting episode we have today, as you've probably seen from the episode title. Yes, as you can probably also hear from the audio quality. Uh, we're not. We are, we are joined by a guest today, not in person, uh, but over the magic of the internet of FaceTime. Yes, over FaceTime on Sean's laptop right now. Yes, uh, it's a whole conundrum here we got set up. Um, so yeah, context. Uh, so two or three, three episodes or four, whatever, whatever amount of episodes ago, uh, I came across a Facebook post, uh, as I always do, about this show called Make America Laugh Again, which was a conservative-themed comedy show. And I thought the way it was advertised was particularly funny. Mm-hmm. So, and usually the things we like to do is we like to bring on stuff and like play, poke fun at it and, you know, just find stuff to talk about. Uh, lucky for us, uh, we had uh, someone listen to that episode and who, who listened to the episode was actually the founder of the Make America Laugh Again show. He's also a radio talk show host in the L.A. area. Scott McAfee, thank you for joining us. Guys, thanks for having me on. Yeah, he joined, he's joining us in his broom closet right now, as it looks like. <laughs> Trapped in there. I'm in my office at work, actually. Okay. Uh, okay. Where, do you, where do you work? Um, I'm a small business owner around Southern California. So, okay. yeah. Okay. Okay, so you're on your time. You're not on your boss's time, like, doing a podcast. <laughs> I am my boss, so that works. There you go. Well, so while your wife works, right? Like, kind of... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're not just talking to a few millennials on your boss's time. It's yeah. just on your yeah. So uh, okay, Scott, uh, thank you for thank you for listening. Yeah, and uh, thank you for uh, join joining. We we love to have like many different many different people from different niches of the comedy landscape. Yeah, some different voices and different uh, angles yeah. and whatnot. And you are uh, one of those niches, a very unique niche because uh, you live in the. Do you live in the LA area? Or do you live in like the outside of? I actually I live in Upland, which is about an hour, you know, east of Los Angeles. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Uh, and now, do you so do you do stand up per se? Um, you know, my background is more in talk radio than stand up. Okay, so I consider myself a stand up comedian. But uh, I am doing it, and I seem to get a pretty good response. So uh, I don't have years of doing this, and it's not something I do on a regular basis. But I, I love public speaking, and I love humor. I love comedy. Uh, so it seems to be a natural fit for me. And um, I think I've learned a lot just from doing talk radio, which I think stand-up, as you know, is, is a difficult art. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think talk radio is also kind of an art form, which I think is even tougher because in talk radio, you're in a little room, and it's up to you to be entertaining and funny, but you don't really get any audience response as opposed to doing stand-up where you're getting immediate feedback. Whether you're, yeah. You know? so, so, yeah, but that's, that's kind of my back. But I, enjoy, I love stand-up. It's a challenge. As you know, every time you go up there, you never know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's cool. I really enjoy it. Um, how, so how many times have you gotten on stage? I've probably done like 10, 12 times, so not a lot. But I do think, but I get better, I think, every time I do it. And I think, you know, you guys probably do as well. Um, so I don't, I haven't done it a lot. Um, and I really see my role as, uh, as, as a good MC for other people who are better than I am. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, the thing is, no one wants to do the MC role. So if you're willing to do the MC role, then like people will love you for it because it's like, that's a hard spot to do. No, neither of us want to do that yeah, spot. I mean, the classic ever. expression is, is yeah. who's going to bite the bullet every time? So if you're willing to jump in front of the line for everybody else, that's fine by me. Uh, yeah, that's cool. So how, how long have you said you've been doing it 10, 12 times now, but I guess uh, how long has the Make America Laugh Again been going on for? Well, we just started that, and I'll back up a little bit. I think my reason for doing it, I will say that conservatives and people on the right, when it comes to comedy, we absolutely suck. We absolutely <laughs> suck. You Thank know? you. <laughs> it's so true. Um, because when you look at the leading political, the leading conservative speakers and talkers, most of these people couldn't tell a joke if they held a gun to their head. Yeah. yeah. And really, we have nothing compared to the left you know we have we have nothing on late night i mean when you look at we we don't have a stephen colbert we don't have uh bill maher we don't have trevor noah saturday night live samantha b i mean go down the whole list nothing i feel like i could count the number of conservative comedians out there on one hand and probably still have a couple of fingers left over so you know that that's kind of the state of where we're at so that was kind of my um my basis for even doing this. And I think it just started off as an experiment. I mean, we had done speaking events before, but nothing that was, that was comedic. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, well, let's throw this thing out there and see what kind of response we get. 
So I rounded up a handful of, of conservative comedians, amongst them Adam Yenser, who uh, you discussed the, the couple of podcasts ago. And we thought, let's just try and see what kind of response we get. So uh, the first show, we sold out. Second show, sold out. Third show, packed the house. Um, so I'm thinking, okay, wow, we're, we're on to something. We're on to something. There's de- even in California, which obviously is definitely a, uh, a very blue state, there's still a boatload of comedian or a boatload of uh, conservatives out here. You know, outside of L.A. or San Francisco, there's large uh, conservative communities. So nobody's really, you know, catering to that audience. And yet that audience is, is huge. It's huge. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, yeah. So, I mean, we had a lot of success. And it's like, okay, wow. I mean, we're, we're getting a formula down in terms of, you know, how to do it and, uh, and where and, and how to do it. I mean, part of the biggest challenge for me is just finding a venue that will have us um you know because a lot of people when they hear conservative they just they just don't want to touch it so uh, so that's been one of the challenges right so what was the first venue you did it at the first venue we did it was a place called the sycamore inn and it was kind of like um they used this venue for um murder mysteries and that kind of stuff so it's a restaurant but then they have like a separate little room and the formula that we seem that we found that seems to work is we work with uh, with restaurants as opposed to comedy clubs. So the price of tickets includes dinner, and it's kind of a win-win. It's a win for the restaurant, and it's a win for us because they give us a, a place to go ahead and you know do this kind of thing. So that's a, that's a cool, interesting thing. It was uh, the clip you sent us. It looked like kind of a large. That was at the same place, or no? That was an event we did in Long Beach, um, and that was also it was a restaurant, but they do a lot of. Um, cover bands so they had a stage set up and they have you know lighting and sound and uh and they had a bar out there very very nice place um so uh so yeah that's the kind of venue that seems to work well for something like this and uh so uh what give us a rundown of the performers who have done this show we've named a few sure. but there's so what I'm, yeah what i've been trying to do is put together a pool of people and that's another big challenge for me is finding uh comedians who are conservative or at least are willing to uh, put their hat in that arena, you know, we're willing to come out of the closet, so to speak. It's yeah. tough. Um, so, um, but yeah, we, we, what I wanted to do and what I'm attempting to do even now is come up with, you know, just a group of people that way we can kind of rotate as we do these shows because not everybody's going to be available for every single show. Um, so the first one we did, we had Adam Yancer, uh, Joel Brill. Um, again, these are comedians that are mainly out here in California. Where are you guys at, by the way? Uh, we're in New York. Yeah, we're on the other side of the right. country. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, so a lot of these people you probably don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy named, a uh, gal named Gally Group, Krupp, actually, it's K-R-O-U-P. Uh, she's coming on for our next show. But Adam's pretty much been our headliner since we started doing this, and he's, he's really uh, perfect for that spot. Yeah, because he, he seems to, out of all the comedians, I at least like, kind of like checked out when I was like doing research, he seems yeah. to be the one who's like very mindful of uh, joke setup and uh, connecting with the audience. Yeah. And I, I really liked him a lot, and I really liked um, how he kind of viewed comedy and how he viewed it as a way of not trying to uh kind of just preach but to really connect with people and see how far he can toe the line while still keeping the audience on his side and it really worked for me when i when i when i listened to him because i was just like oh he's just like he's like very good he's like very funny because the thing about comedy is that you know i say this all the time but like if you're even if you're like a objectively horrible person if you're funny People are people, people want to talk hang to out with yeah. you people just like have like so much respect for you um yeah so and and so for your show uh you know at least when i saw the post from brill he said uh your your humor needs to lean right so at these shows do a lot of these comedians do they how much uh conservative humor do they do compared to just like normal what their act is well that that's a good question and i would say for me personally it's probably half and half mm-hmm. like i like to do stuff that's non-political yes uh, and i know you know because look we're, we're more than just our politics right yeah. and and you know and i'm backing up a little bit further i think that you know humors and comedy is probably the most powerful political weapon there is yes. mm-hmm. if you bring people over to your side uh, and that's why i think we're, we're really weak in that in that department um but yeah i would say it's probably you know about a 50 50 mix um, you know, for me, I mean, I, I'm married to a Mexican wife and I like to make jokes about that. And the fact my kids are half white, half Mexican. So that, that is kind of apolitical. Um, and, uh, you know, Adam does a lot of non-political stuff. So I'd say it's probably a 50, 50 mix. Cause again, we're not all, not, you know, not everybody wants to hear, a, as you said, a lecture. I mean, it's gotta be funny. And, 
Um, and but it's it's fun to look at some stuff that's just non-political too. I like it to have a political slant because that is kind of the audience we're catering to, and it's really you know for for those people who you know watch late night you know TV and they're just tired of getting slammed. It's like okay, mm. well where's where's our funny people? You know, and, and that's kind of the audience we're gearing it towards. But look, we're we're open to anybody. I mean, it's not like you know you have to be conservative to come in and watch us. Um, you brought up that post of Joe Brills too. Um, because we were again, I'm just looking for people. How do you find people? You know, you yeah, said, post oh, in the Facebook hey, groups. Come on. But the thing that I found interesting, there was probably like, I think 144 responses, and most of them were extremely hate filled. Like they just <laughs> freaking lit us up, and I'm like, wow, I had no idea. I had no idea. You know, I, I just think for me, I mean, if I saw a post on a show that maybe I wasn't interested in or it wasn't my thing, I wouldn't like go off on it. I just oh that's cool you know I'm not going to go to that or whatever but the response was just like wow I mean a lot of a lot of hate <laughs> yeah congratulations you're a sane person if you see something on the internet you can just ignore it instead of you know right. spamming like yeah people it's well it's the problem with the internet in general is everybody wants to you know get voice their opinion and they don't really need to uh <laughs> they really don't and I, I just think well that's the weird space that comedy's in right now is that like Everyone is either if you're on the left, you're too you know overly concerned with people think, and you're on the right, you're not concerned enough with people think sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know, like they're like, oh, I'll just say anything, and sometimes you know, like it's finding the right healthy balance, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and you you guys sound like you probably lean a little bit left, but you're not you know communists who uh, want to throw Molotov cocktails. Uh, Oh no! There's a giant picture of Mao Zedong in my house. Uh, That's true. Nice. Yeah, you can't see it, but it's like up yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the funny thing is, and you guys are obviously you know younger than I am, but you know I believe we are constantly evolving politically too. You know, I was a Democrat in college, and you know I voted for Bill Clinton and I voted for Al Gore as well. Mm -hmm. But you know we change over time as we're exposed to different life experiences and different people and different ideas. And uh, you know, look, you're you're never the same person twice when you wake up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so. Things will will affect you in your life, and you're like, wow, okay, you know, becoming a parent for me and becoming a business owner has shifted my ideas of of politics and life and and those sorts of things. So, anyways, I just uh, there's so much hate and division out there. It's kind of a shame because if we could at least come together and exchange ideas and and talk about things and even do comedy in in a, uh, a realm that's that's just not as hate filled and not as uh, it's nasty. I mean, I think we could accomplish a lot more as a country if we could actually come together and just, you know, just just be respectful, if nothing else, of, of one another. Well, yeah, that's true. I think that people like sharing a laugh more than anything. I think like you know, right. funny, funny is funny. I always put it that way. Like sure. I, one of my favorite quotes of like from Michael Che is like, "Listen, it, problem with the two people is they're too obsessed with being right and not be, about being funny on stage now." Yes. Which right. is like you right. see people like. Uh, it was Alana Glazer's post. Now, usually, I liked her show, but like her standup was just horrible because it was just like. And yes, then we need to stop climate change. Woo! It's about. And it's like you know, like if I paid money to that, I'd want want it back. Like I, you know, you can make a climate change joke, but make it funny. Don't be like, and we need to change this. It's about like. Uh, are you familiar with the term clapter humor? No. Okay, so clapter, it's it's a term that's thrown around a lot. and I mean, you're kind of new to stand-up, but it's like a term that's thrown around a lot uh, in terms of criticism of certain kinds of comedy where, like, they tell, they make a statement and it garners an applause rather than a laughter, which is why it's right. called clapter, because yeah. it's like the punchline was supposed to be, like, kind of a rallying cry, which, like, right. and, you know, I'm like, so, like, when it comes to, like, stuff like that, like, I, you know, I, I do like seeing... I don't, I don't like putting stuff in boxes like when it comes to stuff like Nanette or a any other alt specials like I do appreciate people trying to evolve the art form and I don't really think that we need to like only put stuff in a compart compart compartmentalize it into like oh this is comedy like I do like when people expand but like I do you know I do prefer like a lot more humor than just kind of like political preaching as I'm sure all three of us do uh, from what I've gauged uh talking um have you actually had any uh for the make america laugh again show have you had any uh liberal comics do that show i'm sorry any what now liberal like overtly uh, liberal uh, no I, I haven't actually and um i mean that would be an easy thing to do i i think I'm, again we're as you pointed out i think in that podcast i listened to there's a lot of different avenues to comedy 
And I think all we're trying to do is serve people that are maybe a little right-leaning. I mean, would I? Sure, I would. As a matter of fact, it's interesting because I've been watching a lot of those comedy roasts, you know, where you have meetings, and those those seem to be very popular on the East Coast. But I'm thinking it would be really fun to have, you know, maybe a couple of conservatives and a couple of, you know, more liberal-leaning comedians kind of go at it in one of those things. I think it would be pretty funny. Um, But I think for us, at least, I'm just trying to address um, a bit of an audience that I think is hugely underserved. Um, and it's hard out there too. I mean, I know, um, Sean, I think you mentioned, uh, on that podcast, you said, you know, it's really tough to be banned on Twitter. Cause that was one of my jokes. I put on the flock <laughs> soon to be banned on Twitter. But the fact of the matter is there is a ton of censorship going on out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know people that have been thrown off of Twitter and, and I've posted things on YouTube. Um, one, a liberal friend of mine who we disagree with on probably 95% of the things I invited him on the radio and we debated, like, I said, look, you pick any topic you want, we'll debate that, and I'll pick any topic I want. And I think he picked, like, the Russian collusion thing, and, and I picked, like, the minimum wage, which is, is $15 an hour in New York and soon to be $15 an hour right here. And I thought, as a business owner, this is going to be terrible. So the point is, we did, a, we did a debate on the radio. I put it up on YouTube, and it got banned. It got taken down for hate speech. Um, uh, and, and I'll tell you, like, our, our own show is banned from running ads on Facebook. Wow. You know, we literally can't run ads on Facebook. And we tried to find, well, why is that? Well, it doesn't meet our terms of service, but they would never elaborate on what that is. So the amount of censorship going on out there is pretty huge. And look, uh, I know people out in L.A. that have lost jobs because of the way they voted. And to me, that's just B.S. I mean, that's B.S. You know, because they're conservative, they can't get a job in Hollywood. They can't, you know, get a job teaching um, and I don't think I'm exaggerating that that stuff's really going on. And that really concerns me. It's kind of like, again, we're trying to shut down ideas instead of having open and honest conversations. And look, maybe at the end of the day, I'm mm-hmm. wrong or maybe you're wrong. But how will we know unless, you know, we can have those discussions uh, in, in forums like this? Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, that is the thing. If like that is the problem I have, you know, as a lift guy, I have a problem with our side constantly just trying to get people to shut up and go away. Like, there's the big debate because Joe Rogan uh, supported yeah. Bernie Sanders. And I'm like, Joe Rogan's like one of the most popular people on the planet. Why wouldn't you want his endorsements? And because, you know, they drag up things and take things out of context because it's, again, the obsession with being correct and being right and have this moral superiority over other people, which I think is just something too many people have going on right now with everything. Like, I mean, you talk about like shadow banning and stuff. Like, I, you know, these people are like, well, I don't want to be seen identifying with this person. And it's, it's really is fine to the people who truly are doing hate speech and then people who would just have the different point of view, you know? Yeah. Right, right. Well, and, and Adam Yancer, who's our headliner, who I think does an amazing job, he is he's kind of an anomaly out there. And I first um, ran into him at an event called Politicon, and I don't know if they have these out on the East Coast or not, but Politicon is a really cool um, event. It was actually in Pasadena. And the cool thing about it is they have forums for both sides of the aisle. So you'll see something from Black Lives Matter, and then you'll have Ben Shapiro debating Cenk Uger. And, and it, it's really cool. And it's, it, what I like about it is that people are coming together from different sides of the aisle, and we're all having a good time. And, um, you know, I'm talking to a couple gals that are there to see Black Lives Matter, and, you know, and I'm here to see my, my favorite people. But I, I ran into Adam Yenster there because they had a forum on conservative comedy. But he's kind of unusual in that he's one of the very, very few people – out in the LA area who's outwardly conservative and still working. Mm. I mean, that the running joke is that, you know, you, if you come out as a conservative, you're liable to have some serious career repercussions. I mean, okay, look at Roseanne, you know, um, and I, she's not a conservative by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, she made a comment. She, she had enormous, uh, fall, I mean, what she had like 11 million, uh, people tuned in when she came back and now she's gone because of a, you know, a dumb thing she said, which you could argue, well, look, that's the realm of comedy. We can make, you know, irreverent comments and still have a yeah. career. But, you know, but but I look at contrast to like Samantha B, who called the president's daughter, you know, the C word, which to me is probably the only word that's worse than the F word is the C word. But yet she has a career. And I mean, that wasn't a particularly funny comment either. But I know if I said something like that about Obama's daughters or or, you know, Chelsea Clinton, I mean, I would be kicked off the radio fast. For one thing, I can't say something like that on the radio. But but even if I did, mm-hmm. you have a double standard out there, it seems to me. Right. I mean, you know, people like people like Kevin Hart have been attacked, too. Uh, like, he, he he lost the Oscar host because he made, like, 
Twitter comments back in the day. Yeah, he made gay jokes like eight years ago, which he had already apologized for too. Yeah, because yeah. times do change, and like the wording and changes and everything. It, it is it is just weird, like because you know what can and can't be. It's just this is a problem. It's just the polarization of the country is just getting so much worse every as daily goes by. You know, he's you know everyone's like, well, you said this, and then 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 it's just it's like. Yeah, most people are kind of hypocrites at the end of the day. Like, you know, like we all we all have our faults, we all have our mistakes and like I mean the Roseanne thing is because, you know, she attacked the one woman on Twitter kind of out of the blue, I thought. And I, I it's one of those weird things where like because of the power of Twitter, if you get enough people to tweet about something, it makes it seem like everyone thinks that way. And so then sponsors will pull out because they think they'll lose money. And then, therefore, the networks know they have to fire or cancel this person, which is now has become a game of who can we get fired next. And then the left takes down somebody, then the right takes down somebody, and then the left and then back and forth. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I would say I see that far more – and again, obviously I'm biased – but I see that far more left versus right. Um, I don't see people – like, for example, I have you know about 20 employees, and – I have employees who are Democrats and, and are Bernie Sanders people. And I'm, quite frankly, I just don't even care. Mm-hmm. If they do their job, it doesn't bother me. As a matter of fact, I truly enjoy having discussions and conversations with people who disagree with me. I mean, if we live in a world where we all have to think a certain way and say a certain thing, that's for one thing, I think that's totalitarian and destructive, but at the very least, it's extremely boring. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. You know, that's that's part. But but I I know what uh, you mentioned, Joe Rogan. There was a comedian. I can't remember the guy's name who was on there that was doing a doing a set at a college. And because he made a joke about being like a black and gay they, in the middle of his set, they told him he had to leave. You yeah, know, that's happened. That's happened. Yeah. Well, yeah. Colleges have gotten yeah horrible at it at the same time i i think it is a case-by-case basis because i said this before at my college like you know i did stand up we had a stand-up club my college like we never had any instance like that and people did like push the line a lot but like it just like i mean you know i you know i went to like a state school upstate new york like i don't know if it makes a difference but like there's like yeah there's some colleges like where like i've heard stories like that and there's other colleges where it's just like oh yeah no one gives a shit yeah 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 well, I hear you, but but I would say that it does seem like you know most of the most of the hate, most of the censorship is you know towards the right. Um, and when I see people getting banned on Twitter and banned on YouTube, uh, Facebook, you know, I'm sure there's people on the left that happens to as well. But it does seem like wow, you know, that person's taken off just because they said something that I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's kind of like like if you say anything anti-Islamic. You know any Muslim jokes? Well, that's that's a fast track to getting booed off. I'm telling you, that's that's one mm-hmm. fast way kicked off of Twitter. Anything anti-Islam, we can't make fun of Islam. Now we can make fun of the Catholic Church, any other Christian denomination, um, but but you know Islam's off limits. You know the transgender thing is off limits. You know you can't make jokes about that. Um, so I don't know. It just seems like where where does this whole thing end? And Look, I'll, I'll give credit to my brothers and sisters on the left. I mean, they f- pretty much own late-night comedy. They own Hollywood. They own most of academia. They own, ho- you know, Hollywood. They own uh, tech, you know, Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. Google, YouTube are very left-leaning. So, you know, most of the censorship's heading our way, which is one of the reasons I wanted to do this show in the first place. Like, look, we got to have our own little, little. if you want to call it a safe space, fine. Um, I know you mentioned that, you know, yeah. the, you on the podcast look if it's funny you should be able to take it anywhere and yeah you're, you're right on that point but i'm telling you that this is not an easy thing to do um and it you know more more often than not a venue will say you know what i i, I might even agree with you politically but we had one venue and this was for a regular speaking event had it all set we gave them a deposit i think like a month before we were going on they said you know what you can't do your event here and we're like well, why is that and they said well we're getting so much hate on social media, they're threatening our employees. Um, you know, they're bashing us all over Yelp and this. And they said we have to give you a, a your deposit back. And it's like, wow, you know. So that's the kind of day and age, this is the times that we live in. And again, especially out here in California or New York, um, mm-hmm. it's kind of challenging to find venues that will host uh, events like ours. And even it's difficult to find comedians who are you know brave enough. To, uh, to say, okay, I, I tend to lean right politically and, um, and I want to do your show. But I will say this, there's an enormous market for this. I mean, I fully believe if I had a full-time uh, manager, somebody that could actually 
book venues. I could sell out every show for 365 days a year. We could do this. That's how much of a, I'm going to call it pent up demand there is for the kind of comedy that we're, that we're, uh, that we're performing. Yeah, I'd believe it. I, I, I definitely I, I believe definitely, that. Well, we perform at a place that's actually a little bit more conservative based than the, uh, most other, you know, for what New York is being, you know, like because we are one of the guys who books us a lot. He works a lot with Compound Media, you know, Anthony Kumia's, uh, you know, former thing, and Anthony Kumia obviously got kicked off the Opie and Anthony show. Be some of the comments he made, and because he branched a gun, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he went he, a couple years ago. He went nuts. To, gun he went like yeah he, he went nuts but he's back now that's probably not too smart <laughs> no no yeah he had a whole fight with his ex-wife it was a whole thing but but like yeah a lot of the audiences we see and get are usually people i actually think they're, they're more apathetic than anything but they do have a little bit of a right leaning tendencies so i mean for us as liberal comics i mean i like the challenge sometimes of having to go up there and be like all right uh, i'm gonna teach you guys how to be woke right now nice nice yeah. I would say our audiences. So, like, we live uh, just outside New York City, up in the suburbs, and I think the audiences tend to be mixed. Yeah. So it's like definitely like half conservative, and then like half like you have like I mean the people who are liberal here are like classically liberal, or not like Bernie Sanders liberal. They're just like old liberal. Uh, so there tends to be a mix of that. So like we definitely get like a lot of. Uh, those performers, especially in White Plains, White Plains do, does book a lot of people. I think yeah. who do cater to a conservative audience, and they do. They turn up. They they turn yeah, out they, in really large they numbers. Do, they do sell out quite well. Yeah, like the Italian American comics who are like Italian Americans, very big on the right. Uh, they they <laughs> come out they, they, in yeah. droves, droves yeah. of them. Well, I'll share one little quick story with you. I went to see yeah. a friend of who's actually a comedian, a guy named Jim Barnes, who's actually he's getting out there now but i went to see him um just to watch him at uh, in, in claremont which is a very liberal um part of southern california and it was kind of like an open mic night and they had the first lady that gets up there's wearing the pink hat you know and and her first joke was you know i'm mad for five reasons trump 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 and i'm thinking oh boy okay here we go so she gets up there and very not, not really not very good. Uh, another lady, kind of the same thing. And then my buddy gets up there, does his thing, which is which was why I went there to see it. And at the end, the uh, the end thing is, hey man, anybody in the audience want to come up? You know. And my wife just looks at me. I'm thinking, nah. And then he goes, okay, last call. Anybody want to come up? I'm like, all right, screw it. You know, let's let's do this. So I go up there and I started off with you know non political stuff, just to kind of you know get him going. And then at one point, I say, you know what? I said, I, I have a, a confession to make. I know I'm in a very liberal area. But I said, I voted for Trump. I said, anybody in the audience vote for Trump? And one hand goes up. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, this is going to be interesting. So then I just kind of eased my way. And a lot of it is even kind of self-deprecating, you know, where it's like I tell the – I know you saw some of my stuff. But I said, look, you know, you guys on the left should have won. I mean, you had Beyonce and Lady Gaga, Madonna, you know, Bruce Springsteen, all these celebrities. I mean, who do we have? You know, we had Chachi, you know, and that got a few, that got a few laughs. But then um, – I kind of, you know, got done with my set. And you could tell, obviously, it was definitely not an audience that was friendly towards me. But the funny thing was, at the end, where they were all kind of congratulating one another, nobody even looked at me. <laughs> they didn't shake my hand or anything. I'm just like, they're like, like a non-person. Uh, I mean, again, I don't take that too personally. But but I thought, okay, if I can do my shtick in an audience that's even a little bit hostile towards me, mm -hmm. I thought, that's kind of something I can uh, be a comedian. Um and even I, I've performed in, like, I had a Republican group say, hey, come out and do a set for us. And I freaking bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bomb. And I'm, there's one old guy in the front, and I'm like, I'm throwing my best material at this guy and not even a smile. Mm -hmm. Freaking nothing. And I left that night with my wife, and I said, you know, it's either one of two things. Either I suck or they suck. It's one of the two. And then, uh, but I've gotten some good responses after that. And I said, okay. Um, I guess they suck, not me. But but I think really, and you guys have probably experienced this, when you go up and you bomb, when you just get like no response, if you can get through your set, when there's you're providing all the energy in that room, I think that does make you a stronger, better comedian. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. Like, you know, yeah. iron sharp, sharpens iron. So yeah, just sometimes you, just, you have to learn to love the bomb to a certain extent of so just being like, all right, well, it's either, you're right, it's because it is either you or them. And sometimes it is like last night I was in the audience and it was them. 
and because I did the same material at a second show and it worked did just fine. So interesting. Yeah, he got fucked over because this this show started a half hour late. Yeah, oh, people are pissed and angry. And- yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because the th- management wanted to sell more drinks in time, so they wouldn't let us start on time, and then. You know, and they're all there to see the headliners. So, like all the other, yeah. the feature, the host, the guest, like they, no one, they didn't care about yeah. what they had to say. <laughs> People over the age of forty-five do not like to be held waiting. That's that's the no, one thing I've learned. They do not. Look, I think we're all impatient, right? We live in, a, yeah. in an age of instant gratification. Nobody wants to hang around and wait for anything anymore. That's true. Right? You know, so uh, no, but but I think um, you know, you you did uh, some other points that I maybe wanted to bring up too. Uh, you mentioned about the price of what we charge, and I thought that was an interesting comment, Peter. I think you mentioned that you said yeah. fifty-nine bucks, um, and I want to address that because, um, for one thing, it does include a dinner, so it's right. not right. I did say that, yeah, I think yeah, right. But I also, but keep in mind too, it's also seventy-nine bucks for VIP. Mm. And look, one of those things that I thought, well, let's throw. I mean, how do you know what people are willing to pay for something? I mean, the market will determine what people are willing to pay for anything. For that matter, so I threw that that number out there, figuring, okay, if the if the restaurant charges us thirty bucks, we're charging sixty bucks for a ticket. We can split it, and you know, if we sell you know hundred or hundred and fifty tickets, I mean, that's pretty good. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. Um, and again, we charge seventy nine bucks for VIP, but but I think that the what enables us to charge a little bit more is because we are an anomaly. Um, is that you know this isn't something you can see on any street corner. I mean, it's okay. This is something that if I'm you know, politically conservative, here's where I can go to have some fun and see some hopefully funny people. Um, so that enables us, I think, to charge a little bit more. And I, I mean, I've gone to comedy shows and they're charging 10, 15, 20 bucks and thinking, boy, how's anybody making any money? <laughs> because the venue's going to take a big chunk, you know, of this. And, um, you know, again, I'm a business owner, so I look at things from a business standpoint, like, wow, how's, how's anybody making any money? And I'm realizing that most comedy doesn't pay a whole lot. No, no, it's no. not. Yeah, we're lucky if you get twenty bucks yeah. in the night. I think the thing. I think the fact that you're able to like really hone in on the demand and like really capitalize it. Like, I think that's like really special and cool. And you know, to go back to the podcast, like that was more. That's a joke. It's more yeah. just like we like <laughs> to. Yeah, we like yeah. to make fun of stuff, even if we know yeah. our jokes aren't a hundred percent valid. Yeah. Yeah. I think that personally, but I thought yeah. it was an interesting comment because yeah. I mean, I was on the high side. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, Maybe maybe it is by industry standards, but the fact of the matter is we're getting it, um, yeah, 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 and we're actually making money at these things. And rather than go to a comedy store and say, "Hey, we want to do our," th-, and half of them wouldn't even have us to begin with, but yeah. you know, doing it in this format where it includes dinner and you know, we even do some raffles and some fun stuff. And um, but but the difficult the challenges for me number one is finding conservative comedians who are willing to come on with us, um, and and also finding venues that will have us. I mean, that's that's the challenge. Uh, because people are scared of this stuff. There's a, there's a real fear climate on the right. Like if we want to discuss our political views, we damn well better make sure that the wrong person's not listening because they'll report us and pretty soon we're losing work. And it's like, I don't know, I just it just seems terrible to me that people uh, can lose a whole career just based on the fact they supported the president or maybe they're pro-life or I, I don't know. Uh, I just don't see that equivalency going the other way. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you: uh, Have have you ever been censored on stage at all? Like in your tw- past ten or twelve times performing? Yeah, no, no, because I think um, you know I don't I don't think I could say anything that would be really worth. Hey, we got to pull you off stage now. Uh, but but I always you know I ask myself the question with some of these jokes: like, is that too far? Mm. You know, is that too far? Will that offend some people? And and, and I, you know, I mean, you always test out jokes. I don't know how you do it, but I test out jokes on my friends. Hey, is this funny or not? And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, I get feedback and, well, maybe you tweak it and you change it. Uh, I mean, I, I make one joke about, you know, Muslims. I said, you know, I wanted to have a Muslim comedian up there. And actually, we, 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 we might at some point. There's a Muslim comedian who's conservative that I'm going to bring on. But my joke is, you know, I wanted to have a Muslim comedian, but I was afraid they'd bomb. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I thought, you know, is that is that like going to really you know, piss people off or offend people, especially if there's maybe some Muslims in the, I mean, I have friends that are Muslims and it's kind of like, can we laugh at that? I mean, so I'm constantly trying to figure out, you know, what, 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 how much of that edge can you push before people start calling me a freaking Nazi, I guess, or whatever. I don't know, whatever the names were labeled with Nazis and racists and sexists and Islamophobes and homophobes and, you know, all these other sorts of things. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm figuring it out myself. I'm figuring it out myself. But but the only areas where I've been censored, I did put a clip up of 
my stand-up on YouTube, and that got pulled down. By YouTube? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The explanation they gave, because I'm looking, that's like, where the hell's my videos? And my son goes, oh, they pulled it down for hate speech. I'm like, hate speech? For what? You know? So I don't even post stuff on YouTube anymore because it just gets taken down. Um, you know, and, and again, you know, you look at Joe Rogan's talked about that stuff. I mean, he's obviously big, and it'd be hard to pull him down. But, you know, a lot of conservatives have been removed from YouTube. And these are people that had huge audience you know, big followings and, mm. but they really crossed some kind of a line and that's uh, that. And somebody looked at that and no, we're, we're pulling them or, or a lot of them are there, but they're um, demonetized where they're not making any money off their videos. Yeah. So anyways, but this, this is the challenge for me is like, how do I get this out? How do I even advertise this kind of stuff? You know, to begin with, if I can't use Facebook, how do people even find out about it? Um, so, you know, we're, we're trying to be creative in terms of how we market it and, um, and, you know, we, we go to venues and say, hey, this is what it is. Are you cool with this? And I would say at least half the people say, no, you know, you can't have it here. And eventually we find a place and we're trying to, you know, move it around. And But but I will say, I, I come back to this, the demand for this, even if you're a liberal, there's a huge market in conservative comedy because nobody's filling that hole. Re- really, really, hardly anybody. Hardly I, anybody. I agree with that. Uh, actually, I was just talking to somebody who was trying to book Andrew Dice Clay, who's, you know, a more conservative comic. And he's like, yeah, he charges uh, $57,000 for three nights of shows. And I'm like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's one of the keys of being a name. And uh, But, you know, I, I bet that I, he would definitely sell out all of his shows because, you know, that there's an audience for him. The math of that would be 200 per ticket. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know how, yeah, I don't know. What, I'd have to really do the math on that, yeah, like you yeah. said. That's a lot of money to pay for anybody. For a show, it's like two hundred. That's like you pay that for like a Broadway show if you want to sit up at the yeah. front. That's like a lot of money. Not a lot of people are filling that demand. Um, you know, so I mean, you can see left-leaning comedy everywhere. You don't, you know, you see it all night long and late night. And um, you know, Tim Allen is an example of obviously a conservative comedian whose show was just kicked off, even though the ratings are really high. Uh, apparently, the show's back on now and you know, doing well. So that's, but he's, he's again, an anomaly. Uh, there's not a lot of people like him out there. Um, so, but anyways, but these are, these are the challenges. I'm excited. I mean, so far it's gone really well. And, um, like I said, if I was to do this full time, I could probably make some pretty good money doing this. I mean, there's definitely a niche for this kind of thing. And, um, but now, now my challenge is finding not only just conservative communities, but good ones. And look, I don't know what you guys think, but to me in the world of comedy, I'm going to tell you, I think probably sixty to seventy percent of the people out there are just not very good. I think that's fair. That's very that's fair. fair. Yeah. Honestly, you could say a higher number than seventy yeah. percent. Yeah. Uh, let me be honest. Then I'd say eighty percent of them suck. They're terrible. Yeah. I'm going to say ten percent are good and ten percent are great. That's kind of my take on it. Um, so it's hard to find. You know, it's not enough to be conservative. You've got to be funny. Adam Yancey is a very funny guy. He's got a solid hour set. He resonates with this audience. Uh, he is clean. Um, which is another topic I wanted to discuss with you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning, it just doesn't have a foul mouth. And and look, I can be as crude and rude as anybody. Um, but you know, I have four kids, and one of my thoughts is, you know, I wouldn't want my kids to come to see me and, and hear me dropping f bombs if if I don't like that. I don't like them saying those things, and I don't want that kind of talk in my house. You know what I mean? So I have to be consistent at least. And I think that it's it's a little it's a little tougher to be clean. I think you know. Mm-hmm. So I know you guys use a little bit of profanity, but you don't overdo it from what I've heard of your stuff. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on the, you know, the profanity thing? I mean, I get I get bashed on some of these comments. Oh, you know, you can't use profanity or whatever. <laughs> there, there's a certain amount of people that that does turn off, you know. And- yeah. Something I want to bring up is that, um, you know, something, something we discussed on the episode we did on the originally Make America Laugh Again. Um, when it comes to, like audiences being offended at humor i've actually not seen a lot of it i've not seen a lot of like left-leaning people walk out of a show because someone's being like too pushing the line too much about race or religion or whatnot what i have seen is two older folks at lucy's which is a club near us walk out of someone's set because they didn't like a woman talking about her sex life on stage and yeah. they were like she's disgusting and uh, i'm not sure if you know this comedian named steve hofstetter He's a guy no. who puts a lot of stuff on YouTube. Way, like, years ago, he did a show, I think, somewhere in Utah, like Salt Lake in that area. He did a show with, like, a crowd of, like, 500, 600, I don't know how many. 
as soon as he cursed, like a third of the audience left. Yeah. <laughs> so well, look, like, in fairness, I guess you should know his audience, dude. You're going to Utah, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it's just so funny because it's like when I think of like audience walking out being offended, like I I personally haven't witnessed that except for those two <laughs> instances, yeah. which is like much older folks, and maybe they lean conservative walking out yeah. because they're cursing. I'm like, that's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, like the difference between like clean comedy and like raunchy comedy, I guess, is like depends on like how you market yourself, right? Like Jim Gaffigan's probably the best clean comedian. He says, literally, you can turn him on and he's just going to be funny for everybody. But, you know, like, um, I'm trying to think of a raunchier comic. Like Bob Saget is just filthy. But, like, some people want that, you know? Like some people are like – and I think, the, I think it comes down to just being kind of audi- on, uh, honest with your audience, I think. Of being like, listen, if you're coming out to see me, this is the similarity of what you're going to get. You know, like I had, I had a friend. He actually was just on Fallon last night. And I saw his set, and it was much more clean cut. And he, you know, he's not, a, he's not, he's like probably like our level. Like we, you know, we swear here and there, but we're not like, you know, using mass. You don't, prof- you don't overdo it at the point. Yeah. yeah, we're not mass profanity or anything. Yeah, I think like for everyone, there's like certain things that just like kind of grind people's gears, and they yeah. just don't. I mean, hear as much about every, every yeah. likes to be like, I'm okay with everything. There's something that offends everybody. Everyone. It's like it's no matter what like, you, and most of the time, you probably don't even know it offends you until someone says it. Yeah, it's, right. You're right. And I guess I think when I'm doing this, I think you know, if I'm not offending at least a few people, I'm probably not doing my job. You know. Uh, and I have found there's that difference between like a big laugh, and then there's the oh, you know, yeah. which is kind of a different sort of response it's like yeah oh you know i, I don't know if you know what i'm talking about but that oh you know response yeah, like, ah. you cross the line and but we're still with you and then i got to bring him back a little bit maybe if i pushed over the edge a little bit i don't know again i'm, I'm still in the learning process with this whole thing um but i do find that you know every time i do it every time every time we do the show you know we're trying to bring the best comedians we possibly can and and you know we're getting better every time we do it we're getting yeah. you know the whole system of how to do it. I mean, I we're, we're new to it, but but the fact we're getting such an amazing response again tells me okay, we're we're onto something. We're onto something, um, and especially in this kind of climate where you can't find this stuff in many many places, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So, uh, but I, coming back to the profanity thing, I know uh, I think uh, Sean, you said Bill Burr. I think was your favorite comedian. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, he drops a lot of f bombs. Oh, yeah. And I thought to myself, would he be as funny if he didn't do that? And, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, he's very, very good. Yeah. He's probably one of my top favorite people as well. Uh, and, you know, when you go to see him, that's what you expect, this angry guy that drops a lot of F-bombs. Yeah. But, I, you know, would he be as effective without that? And I, I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I mean, people uh, – I think people find his demeanor very endearing. So probably yeah. not – he wouldn't be as effective unless he kind of – I think he, he the cursing comes down to his conviction to how he feels about a certain topic, and I think like, it kind of adds to the performance. Yeah, like if Bill Burr came out and he was talking like John Mulaney, people would be like, what the fuck It would be very, it'd be very yeah. off-putting. So I think it, it does work for him. Actually, yeah. you know, something I want to ask you, which I think might be yeah. very interesting, is that for the Make America Laugh Again show, has there been a comic who has gone? too far at least in the perspective of that audience yeah no um you know as a matter of fact this is kind of funny but i'm probably crossed the line more than any of the others uh, <laughs> okay so and and again i can you, you read an audience you know like you said and and, and there's probably a few people that maybe i i did offend but it's like what is that a couple people and it's at that point it's worth it because i i i got a response out of the other uh, other 98 percent of the audience out there but but the answer is no um you know, some comedians are funnier than others, though. So, you know, how do you know if somebody's really good? Well, you know, you watch their stuff, but ultimately you stick them up there and, and see how it goes. And uh, and like I said, I've, as you guys have mentioned, we've seen different responses from different audiences to different people. So you never know. You never know. But Adam Yenser seems to be, you know, probably super consistent and, and again, a perfect headliner. And then, you know, we're all, always looking to reach out to people who – you know, can do a solid 15 minutes set and lead up to him. I think for me, the good formula is to have me MC. Do I do a 10 minute opener? Have a 15 minute. Uh, then I'll. I actually we had an, an AOC imper- imposter, an AOC impersonator, which was kind of funny. Yeah. I have a family friend. She looks just like AOC. Really. So I, yeah, she looks just like her, and she's got that whole inflection down. You know, that the, the style of AOC. Mm-hmm. So that that kind of blows people's minds. They don't expect that one. I don't advertise that. Yeah. But right. I, hey, by the way, I got a very special guest. 
you know, I'm so pleased this person's taking time out of her busy schedule in D.C. Let's give it up for AOC, and they're, they're clapping. They don't even know what they're clapping for. And all of a sudden, AOC hops up on the stage, and we start uh, we start having some fun with her. So, so anyways, but, yeah, I think, you know, we're always looking for new people. And the reason I had Joel put that post, which I think you saw, was, you know, just reaching out to people. But it's interesting. It's interesting that, you know, of the primarily 95% hate messages we got, there was still a handful of people like, how much does it pay? <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, but when we heard it was $100, I was like, well, fuck, that's a good amount of money yeah. for a, a spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I yeah. joke saying, yeah, I'd, I'd sell my soul I, for $1,000. I'd sell souls for $100. <laughs> yeah. Nice. But if you were up here, I'd have you guys come out then. So, yeah. sorry. It, it costs you more than that for a plane ticket. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, and, and, and like I said, it's, it's something that we're still playing with it. Um, we found that... You know, without any advertising at all, we can get you know between 100 and 150 people, and that's a pretty good that's a pretty good turnout. Um, I mean, I've gone to some comedy clubs where there's hardly anybody there. You know, yeah. So no, like the fact that I mean, everyone wants a full audience, and yeah. like if you can get that, if you can find your niche, then it's like it's something really special and something yeah. very very you know, enviable. Make your lane into a freeway, as uh, put as Jeff Ross put it once. Yeah. Sure. Well, one thing I wanted to to bring up as well when we talked about Bill Burr and even Dave Chappelle, I mean. Those guys, the last shows they did, those Netflix specials, they definitely crossed the line of political correctness. So I would say our show is as much conservative-leaning, right-leaning as it is mm-hmm. correct. And that's, I think, a problem a lot of comedians are having with this political correctness, you know? Yeah. So Burr is the first person I've ever heard make fun of Michelle Obama. That's something I, you know, nobody would touch Michelle Obama. She's like above having jokes made about her. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at uh, Dave Chappelle making fun of, you know, the LGBTQ community, particularly the transgender thing. That's that's crossing a line, you know. I'm, and but you look at, you know, his score amongst the critics for that show, and they they really didn't like it, but yet the audience loved it. You know, he got a high approval rating with the audience. So, I think there's also a need for not only conservative comedy but just stuff that's not politically correct you know who wants to live in a world that's politically correct and and even this whole term hate speech i mean this is something that you guys grew up with but i it's unrecognizable to me the whole term is stupid to me what what exactly does that mean anyways it just means if i say something that pisses somebody off you know they can they can call it hate speech and now i'm kicked off of social media or worse yet i lose a career over it you know um but anyways, but that's just kind of my yeah. take. They're, people are looking for what, even if they lean left politically, uh, there's a big audience for politically incorrect humor. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think that's a big thing is people like you know people have problem with terminology changing and things like that. So they're like, oh, well, why can't I call this person a transvestite anymore? But that's you know, it's like a lot of things. The terms just terms and things change. But the there's a great Doug Stanhope bit on the you know the word retarded, and he's like, listen, I never meant it to actually insult people who are mentally challenged disabled it's just that's what i call my friend you maybe start calling them mentally challenged i'm gonna call my friend mentally challenged you made me call them this i'm gonna start calling that's just what we do like right well like i think that's what it is i mean so like yeah political correctness it has like it has a place sometimes and sometimes it has a place not to be but like in comedy like you know i yeah you know, for one like if you're just be like calling some guy just like uh, you know pardon the french but here but like a faggot like that's just that's not really a joke you're just insulting them but like when dave Chappelle's you know using the whole analogy of everybody's on the same bus and gay men are leading the charge and the trans are in the back like that's just a good interesting unique way of putting right. the entire struggle as a whole and that's my problem in general with like at least some people who feel like they're censors that i feel like the people who say that are the people who are in that 80 percent of people who aren't good and aren't refined and yeah. are using the fact that they're censored as an excuse to as why to justify why they're not getting bookings or people want to hang out with them yeah. it's just like no you got to like be clever and be more mindful of how our society perceives these things Sure, yeah. sure, but it de- but it definitely the people that are successful, like those two individuals, they they cross that line. They do it very effectively, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and obviously they're big enough where nobody's going to necessarily censor them. But there's definitely a blowback from the quote critics in terms of like, hey, that's you know that's not cool to go there, you know. So I, I look, I guess we're all we're all figuring it out, and we all have our our preferences. But but anyways, but yeah, no, that's. Uh, that's kind of what we're all about, and um, you know, we think we think we're onto something. We think we're onto something. Oh, well, Scott, we're about to wrap up here, man. Thank you again for uh, coming on. We just got a few more questions for yeah, you. Yeah, I just yeah, want no, to ask you to close off. I just want to ask you: Is uh, what is the future you see for this show? What do you hope to achieve 
uh, in the future? How do you hope to expand? Okay, well, that's that's a great question. My ultimate dream would be to uh, to go to D.C. Uh, and uh, and perform uh, uh, perhaps like at a uh, well. Okay, I'll, I'm I'm backing up. Maybe I shouldn't give this thing away. I don't know what's going to happen this election cycle. Um, I will say this: that the president is very effective at using comedy. Um, and I would say that most of the people on, on the left, uh, look, none of those people are funny that I can tell. Bernie Sanders is not a funny person. Joe Biden can barely string a sentence together. Uh, it seems like he's got some early onset dementia going on there. No, we have uh, no charisma, no charisma no, with our candidates. Boring. Elizabeth Warren is boring. She's boring. No, we got Amy Klobuchar with her mom jokes, though. Yeah. There you go. Oh, that'll, that'll I mean, get it done. Trump, Trump is a WWE Hall of Famer, so he knows how to talk yeah. shit. He well, he's, he's an entertainer, you know, he's yeah. an entertainer. So, so to answer your question, though, I'd like to do, I mean, we could easily do a couple of these things a month. Um, we could expand and go into different markets. We've had people say, hey, why don't you come up here? Why don't you come up there? Um, I want to build a solid pool of at least 10 to 12 uh, comedians that I can kind of rotate in and out of this show. But what would I love to do? I'd love to go and perform in D.C., Maybe at the uh, maybe for one of these balls at an inauguration. Assuming Trump is is reelected, I, I don't know. That may happen. That may not. I, I don't know at this point. But that would be the ultimate. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that would be it. But just to keep kind of keep doing what we're doing, getting bigger, getting better. Start taking that venue count from like you know 100 to about 200. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you're making some serious money when you've got venues and you're filling them out at, at 200. That's my next goal. Our next show, I want to try and hit 200. Um, and and it's just kind of see. I mean, I don't I don't see this thing going huge, but I do see it as something that become that can become a regular staple in the in the comedic world. Um, you know, and other than that, it's it's kind of I don't know I don't know. But that's you know that's where I'd like to go. I'd like to expand it into bigger venues um, and just slow steady growth. I think is what I'm interested in. Fine, and bringing some of the I hate to use the word, but bringing some of those conservative comedians out of the closet and out of the shadows and giving them a space. Where they can do their thing and, and not lose lose a job, not lose a career over it. I guess maybe even create one. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Scott, uh, for making this podcast great again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. No uh, where can people find you? Let's give it. We'll give you some plugs right now. Oh, um. Well, see, that's another good question. I'm yeah. not even on social media. No. Um. So I would say, um. Well, you know, as far as our events, we've got it's Make America Laugh Again event. Uh. Dot com is where people can see when shows are coming up. Make America Laugh Again event. So we have, you know, a, a page. We're actually trying to do the Facebook thing again. So I've got somebody working on that. So, yeah. So um, I, I think eventually we'll probably have a little bit more, try and get a little bit more presence out on social media. But I think we have to be a little smarter and a little bit more strategic about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, for now, uh, for now, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's local word of mouth. And, uh, uh, and like I said, that page will show, you know, where we're, where we're performing and, um, you know, that, that's really about it. <laughs> All, right. All right, cool. Well, Scott, thank you once again, man. Have a good day. Yeah, guys, thanks. That was a lot of fun. All right, man. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. And everybody, that was another episode of You, you Mike Minimum. Minimum.